Hi, and welcome to the latest podcast from the back of the net blog.com. I'm your host, as always, Scott Stino. On today's pod, we'll be talking about Pep Guardiola and how he's decided to rip the heart out of Manchester City. We look at Maradona and his illegitimate children. Scotland and England named their squads for the upcoming World Cup qualifications. We look back at the European draw and see who the British teams are going to be facing. And we talk about Oliver Burke, the young Scottish midfielder who's just signed a bumper deal, making him the most expensive Scottish signing of all time. As always, we want to hear from you, the fans. Tell us about what you think, any questions you'd like to ask, and uh, generally any comments about the pods, how we can improve it going forward. Feedback is always welcomed and appreciated. We start, of course, with the news that Pep Guardiola has decided that Joe Hart's time as Manchester City's preferred number one goalkeeper is at an end. The England goalkeeper has been told by the Spaniard that he is allowed to leave the club following the signing of Claudio Brava from Barcelona. Guardiola's decision to rip the heart out of the club has not gone down well with the fans who showed their appreciation for Hart in what would be his last game against Stoya Bucharest in the Champions League qualifiers. Hart does seem reluctant to leave the club, which he has been at for the last 10 years. However, he doesn't fit into the style of goalkeeper that Pep Guardiola is looking for. Pep is looking for someone who is comfortable with the ball at his feet and can play similar to Manuel Neuer at Bayern Munich as a sweeper-keeper. And Hart just doesn't seem to have those capabilities. And Pep doesn't have the patience to let him try. So Hart is on the lookout for a new club, and to be fair, there aren't many options out there. Sunderland appears to be one of the better options for him, although going to Sunderland is never really a good option. A move abroad to somewhere like Italy with Torino or potentially AC Milan, which is a baffling one since they have a wonder goalkeeper in 17-year-old Gianluigi Donnarumma, who is an actual heir to Buffon in the Italian side. Regardless of where Hart ends up, he needs to be the number one goalkeeper if he's to try and hold on to the number one shirt for England. Sam Allardyce has included him in the squad for the upcoming qualifiers, but if he doesn't regain his place and become a regular starter at a club, it's hard to see him being featured regularly in the squads going forward. Pep's decision to get rid of Hart and bring in Bravo from Barcelona did spark a little bit of a keeper carousel with a variety of different moves happening over the last couple of weeks. With Bravo leaving, there was a space opened up at Barcelona who jumped quickly to sign up Ajax goalkeeper Jasper Klinesen, with Ajax then quick to move for Tim Krul of Newcastle on a loan deal. Hart may also move on a loan deal, but where he ends up is still to be determined with a lot of the big clubs in England already in good positions in terms of the goalkeeper slot. With less than a couple of days left in the transfer window, Hart needs to make his mind up and make it up quickly. He knows that 61-year-old Sam Allardyce is not waiting around as England boss and will not be interested in Joe Hart as a regular in his side if he isn't playing regularly for a club team. Hart cannot face up to having a season on the bench at Manchester City, especially because they already have two other goalkeepers who, be, who could be pressing for that exact spot. Caballero and young Angus Gunn are both hopeful of being Pep's number two behind Claudio Brava. Moving on, we'll take a look at Sam Allardyce's first England squad ahead of their qualifying game against Slovakia this weekend. Hardly any surprises in the team that he announced. The 23-man squad uh, has a lot of familiar faces in it, with a couple of new exceptions. Mikel Antonio of West Ham has been called up for his first cap. 
There's a recall for Danny Drinkwater and for Theo Walcott. And Raheem Sterling gets a chance to showcase that he can actually play football instead of what many England fans saw in France where he was pretty much a passenger. Allardyce knows that he needs three points against Slovakia to start off his England managerial career on a high, especially given the lows felt by the England fans during the summer when Roy Hodgson led them to failure at Euro 2016. That's probably why you're looking at a fairly familiar lineup for an England squad with few changes coming into it. There is no place for Mark Noble, who many expected would be one of Sam Allardyce's first picks, having worked with the player at West Ham. But expect Mark Noble to feature in future squads, along with other players like Ross Barkley, who was left out of this squad despite having an impressive start to the new season. At the time of this podcast was recorded, Sam Allardyce hadn't named his captain, although Wayne Rooney is expected to hold on to the captaincy for the time being. It's a similar problem faced by Scotland manager Gordon Strachan, who watched his captain retire from international duty before the start of the World Cup qualifying campaign. Having failed to lead Scotland to qualification for Euro 2016, Strachan knows that Russia 2018 and the World Cup is his only hope of survival. The Scotland squad does continue to evolve under Gordon Strachan with a lot of familiar faces remaining as the foundation, but there are some new faces coming into the mix including Hearts goalkeeper Jack Hamilton, Fulham's midfielder Kevin McDonald, Hibbs' John McGinn who's been impressive so far this season and last, and Rangers' Barry Mackay who will hopefully get a starting place against Malta. There's also an inclusion for Oliver Burke, who has just sealed a record-breaking £15 million move from Nottingham Forest to Bundesliga club Red Bull Leipzig. The mama sum paid out by the newly promoted but highly ambitious Leipzig side represents the highest individual fee ever paid for a Scottish player, eclipsing that of the £12 million shelled out for Ross McCormack and Stephen Fletcher. 19-year-old Burke, who's originally from Kirkcaldy in Scotland, has been with Nottingham Forest for over nine years, making steady progress along the way. Despite making only 25 appearances for Nottingham Forest, he has scored six goals in two seasons and has been a revelation in that side. Burke has already featured twice for Scotland coming off the bench against both Denmark and Italy in recent friendlies and is expected to be a Scotland internationalist for a long time to come. He is one of several exciting Scottish players coming through. I also include John McGinn and Ryan Gold in that. Strachan may be tempted to use the Malta game as the chance to give Burke his first start for Scotland and it would be a wise choice to do so. The Scotland fans are keen to see what the 19-year-olds can do and whether or not the suggestions that Oliver Burke could be the Scottish Gareth Bale could be true. Scotland fans have heard this before though with Ryan Gold compared to the new Messi, but he has yet to reach his full potential after moving to Sporting Lisbon. Gold has been stuck in the reserves for most of that time, and that has really had an impact on his career, which was expected to flourish after his move to Portugal. More pressing for Strachan is the need to name a new captain following the retirement of Brown. Many expect Gordon Strachan to name Darren Fletcher as the new Scotland captain for this campaign, but he may go a different route and name one of the newer players to the squad like John McGinn, who he sees as a future captain for a long time. Regardless of who Strachan appoints, he needs results. He needs to win games and get Scotland to Russia. Failure just simply isn't an option this time around, especially after two campaigns of disappointment. However, Strachan's reluctance to call up players like Jordan Rose may ultimately be his downfall. 
Rhodes is a natural goal scorer, much in the same ilk as Ali McCoist, and the Scotland fans are keen to see what this player can do, especially given his consistent ability to find the back of the net. This is something that Scotland has really struggled with in past internationals. There has been an over-reliance by Strachan to use Stephen Fletcher as the lone striker, but this hasn't worked in past qualifying campaigns, with Fletcher failing to strike the back of the net on a consistent basis. Giving Rhodes a chance may be the catalyst that Scotland needs to fire them to the next World Cup. It may be the case that if Scotland doesn't manage to get maximum points for the first three games of the group stages, that Rhodes gets that recall. But again, it comes down to Strachan calling the player up, which is something he is reluctant to do. Time will tell whether or not that decision proves to be the end of the line for Strachan. Moving on, and we're going to have a quick look at the Champions League draw which took place last week. And there are some really exciting games coming up in the Champions League group stages. There are five British sides in the Champions League group stage this year. In Group A, Arsenal entertain FC Basel, French champions PSG, and Bulgarians Ludo Goretz. In Group C, Celtic under Brendan Rodgers face a trip to the new Camp to face FC Barcelona. They also entertain Borussia Mönchengladbach and Pep Guardiola's Manchester City in a Scotland versus England derby. Down in Group E, AS Monaco, Bayern Leverkusen and CSK Moscow face a trip to White Hart Lane to entertain Tottenham, whilst English champions Leicester City face Club Bruges, FC Copenhagen and FC Porto. Elsewhere, there's some interesting clashes in Group B. Benfica take on Napoli. In Group D, which many consider to be the group of death, Atletico Madrid and Bayern Munich will also face Rostov of Russia and PSV Eindhoven in some really tasty fixtures there. And then finally in Group H, Juventus face Leon, Seville and Dynamo Zagreb of Croatia. On to the Europa League now, and in Group A, Manchester United face trips to Turkey to face Fenerbahce, to Holland to face Feyenoord, and to Ukraine to face Zorna. Whilst in Group K, Southampton entertain Sparta Prague, Inter, and Bear Chavin, who were knocked out by Celtic in the Champions League qualifying section. Finally, we end on the story that Argentinian World Cup winner Diego Maradona has finally accepted his love child son Diego Jr. into his family home in Buenos Aires after years of denying that he was his biological father. Maradona, who won the World Cup as captain of Argentina in 1986 and is controversial, remember, for the hand of God goal against England, which many Scotland fans still feel as the best goal they've ever seen. He posed with a picture with the 29-year-old Diego Maradona Jr. and finally told reporters, I love him a lot and he's very much like me. Born in 86, Diego Jr. was conceived through an extramarital affair during his father's seven-year spell playing in Italy for Napoli in the 1980s and early uh, 1990s. Despite constant pleas from Diego Jr.'s mother, Maradona snubbed his paternal duties for years and repeatedly refused to take a DNA test. Diego Jr. had flown to Argentina to take part in the nation's Strictly Come Dancing competition and the two met over a dinner organized by Diego Maradona's senior's current girlfriend. 
The gathering was the first time that the father and son had met since 2003 when Diego Jr. was participating in a golf tournament. Also at the family dinner was Maradona Sr.'s daughter, Yana, who at 20 years old has the same backstory as her half-brother. Despite her mother's pleas and court battles, Diego refused to give a DNA test for years to prove that she was in fact his daughter. Only recently has Maradona Sr. accepted the case that Yana is his daughter and has embraced her into his family. As well as Yana and Diego Jr., Maradona Sr. has two other daughters from a previous marriage, as well as a three-year-old son called Diego Fernando from his former lover, Veronica Odier. There are rumors that Maradona has been named as the biological father for several other children, but again, like Diego and Yana, is refusing to have a DNA test to prove that that's the case. Two women in Cuba and Argentina are believed to have filed paternity claims against Maradona, which have yet to be accepted in court. The footballer, who has battled drink and drug problems in the past, as well as obesity, planted a kiss on his new son's cheek in front of waiting journalists before admitting, I'm very happy because I've been reunited with my son. I've been reunited with him as I was reunited with Yana. I love him a lot, and he is very, very much like me. So that's it for this week. Thanks very much for listening and tune in next time.